We found that you weren't very fit. Uh, this is shown by that your heart rate was 80, your blood pressure was 140 over 80, and your max VO2 was 24. If you were fitter, this would be in the region of 50 to 60. Uh, your skin fold thickness was quite um, showed that you had quite amount of fat in the region of the uh, sides of your abdomen. This was 20 and 22. Um, when we did the uh, cholesterol levels, these were 4.22, which is the uh, within the normal range, and your to total lipids were also within the normal range. Now, can you explain a few of those to me? Max VO2, what does that mean? Max VO2 means the maximum amount of oxygen that you deliver to your tissues uh, so that you can function, and it's dependent on body weight. The fitter you are, the more oxygen you can deliver, therefore the more efficient you efficiently the muscles will work. For somebody who is fit, uh, this Olympic level would be 60 to 70 millilitres of oxygen to each bit of your body. Right? When you're unfit, because your heart has to beat so quickly um, when you're exercising, it means that it can't deliver as much because the heart can't fill as adequately. And what did you find as far as I was concerned? Uh, you weren't fit, it was 24. 24. Now, will that go up or will it go down? That will go up when you improve, if you improve. If you do the normal training uh, schedule, this should go up. Uh, now, you mentioned lipids. Can you explain those to me as well and what exactly they prove? Yeah, this, uh, the lipid uh, is the portion of the blood that plays a part in coronary heart disease. Well, it's one of the factors. If you are unfit, overweight, your total lipids go up. And in some families, they're born with an abnormally high amount of lipids in their blood. Now, there are two fractions. One is called high-density lipoproteins. These are the ones that are increased with exercise, and they have a protective effect against coronary heart disease. The low-density ones are the ones that are increased in coronary heart disease, and these usually find these in people who are inactive diabetics and in the familiar type, so that if you exercise, these should come down. Your heart rate should come down, your blood pressure should come down, therefore you will work more efficiently. The heart has more time to fill, more blood can get through, and the muscles will increase the blood supply in the muscles, and they will be able to extract more oxygen. So at the moment I am unfit, and you can uh, actually um, categorise that, yes. and I am overweight as well? Slightly. You're not very much, but you're carrying more fat. Even though you're not, your weight is not that fat, you're actually, the amount of fat that you've got is higher than what it should be, if you're going to do a, a marathon or to run. You have in front of you now three pages of uh, a questionnaire which you've just filled in as a result of examining me and twisting me and turning me, etc., for the last half hour. What have you got down there? What have you done? What have you found out? I found that your posture was quite bad, that you tend to stand with your shoulders forward with an increased curve in your lower back and your abdominal muscles, that your tummy muscles are not as strong as they should be. I found that you tend to have slightly bow legs, so that your knees are curved outwards, and flat feet. Your toes are very splayed. Now, this is quite normal. It doesn't make you sound like monster man, but when you're running, if you have an increased curve in your lower spine and your abdominals are weak, 
your hamstrings are tight, this will throw all the stress onto your lower back. You'll also get a bad backward drive of your arms, so your whole cadence, your stride in running will be out, and this will give you stress on your lower back and on your knees. One of your legs is an inch shorter than the other. Now, this is not abnormal in most persons, but when you start to run, you have an unequal um, stride length. Therefore, you're going to get stresses through your lumbar spine because your st the stress is not taken equally. You have very inflexible muscles, so you're going to tend to get muscle tears, muscle pulls, as well as getting stress on your lumbar spine again from not... The, the muscles should take up the stress when you, you stretch forward. Um, another thing that will come against you is that your lower legs tend to be rotated outwards. That is, the, the lower leg below the knee is rotated outwards on the upper leg, and this will also tend to give you problems. I'll give you an exercise program for each individual muscle, which is adequate for the muscle but will take you the minimum amount of time. And the problem is most people that do stretching exercises go through the motions of moving without really stretching the muscles. So we'll give you a program of these. We'll make some insoles for your shoes to try and correct your alignment so that you're in better alignment and give you a program of strengthening exercises for your abdominals for your hamstrings and your calf muscle. The physiological changes will affect different systems. In your cardiovascular, that is, in the heart, your heart rate will get slower, the heart muscle will get thicker, and your blood pressure will come down. Also, the response to exercise, your heart rate won't go up quite as fast as it would when you're unfit, and it will return to normal a lot quicker. The blood pressure won't go up as high, and again, it will return to normal much quicker. You will also get increase in the blood vessels supplying the muscles that you're using when you run, so that you, uh, the muscles can extract more oxygen so that they can work more efficiently. This takes several months to develop. It takes, um, doesn't occur overnight. This is provided you are doing the type of training for a marathon. If you're doing... Um, a type of training for a sprint, you don't get quite the same changes in the muscles that you're going to use. Um, what kind of dangers are likely? What are, what are the problems that, are likely, that I'm likely to encounter when I'm training? Um, most of the problems will occur if you try and rush your training too quickly. In other words, or if you have the wrong type of equipment. Um, if you have wrong type of shoes, if you're not uh, uh, running properly, you can get various problems with your arches, with your knees. Um, it's unlikely to, you would get any problems with your heart unless you're one of these rare people that have a congenital abnormality. It's the 28th of January, a very cold, crisp winter's day, and uh, what you're hearing is the sound of my recently diagnosed flat feet cocooned in a brand new pair of running shoes. Uh, at the moment I'm about as about 10 minutes into 
my first training run a very unenterprising two mile jog and uh, right now my legs are passing a subtle message to the brain that uh, they've had about all they can take for the moment. However, I'm going to try and persevere for the uh, 16 minutes or so that it'll take to complete this run. What good does all this training do um, as far as the body is concerned, as far as the um, well-being of a person is concerned? Well, exercise is a very important safety valve and it plays a part in altering the biochemistry of the, of the blood. And if you have a lot of tension at work, if you go out and run, this has a great releasing effect. And in America now, they're actually getting their depressed people to go out and run. It's much cheaper than taking tablets, and it's also they can't really kill themselves unless they run under a bus, you know? Uh, the other point is that if your blood pressure is up, you are more likely to get coronary heart disease, you're more likely to go into heart failure if these are untreated. And therefore, any condition that lowers the blood pressure makes the heart work more efficiently, makes you work much better. And you have a, a, the quality of life is infinitely better as a result of this. Uh, is there any proof that um, running, long distance running particularly, uh, does actually reduce, aside from blood pressure, does reduce the possibility of uh, getting coronary heart disease? Uh, well, you see, there are very many factors involved, and the more factors that you have that will predispose towards coronary, the more likely you are to get it. For example, if you have somebody who smokes, who has high blood pressure, who um, is overweight, and whose cholesterol levels are high, the chances of that person getting coronary are very high. If he starts running, the chances are that he will give up smoking, he will lose weight, and his blood pressure will come down. It must be done gradually. It's a preventive form of, of, of medicine, really. Today is the uh, 26th of March, and uh, I've been training for approximately two months. In that time, I've upped my distance from the uh, pretty modest two miles on the first day to a point where today I'm at the moment on my first 13-mile run, or half marathon, whichever you prefer. Uh, the 
first few weeks were difficult because starting from a very low platform from a basic zero level of fitness uh, one has to build up and in addition to the problems of uh, trying to increase mileage significantly enough every week uh, one comes across the, the problems of sore joints um, particularly ankle joints and knee joints because the legs are not really used to uh, the daily pounding on tarmac and concrete the uh, the shoes have been a, a great help uh, a very expensive pair of running shoes but well worth every penny nonetheless um, I'm about 10 miles in to this 13 mile run and still feeling fairly good so I'm fairly confident that I should be able to manage 13 miles and having done the half marathon it's a great physical as well as a psychological boost because oh no trip there because uh, if you are able to go half the distance at least and still feel that there's something in reserve that you could go farther it's uh, it's encouraging and after two months of slog and uh, seven months more of even greater slog to look forward to one needs a certain amount of encouragement well when you first came you weren't very fit that was one of the first things uh, what we measured was your weight, your heart rate, your blood pressure, and we measured the amount of fat that you had. We also measured uh, your fitness level using a bicycle ergometer. And just to compare, we did the same tests again two months later, and if we compare the two um, figures, your weight dropped uh, a couple of pounds, your heart rate at this stage was approximately the same, the two, but in the fitness level, your maximum oxygen uptake, and remember the higher the figure, the fitter you are, this went up. We put you on the same workload on each occasion, and on the first occasion, your heart rate was 172. Um, on the second occasion, your heart rate was much lower, which was 144. And that gave you 
a maximum auction uptake of 24 for the first time, and on the second occasion it had gone up to 34. The normal heartbeat, though, hasn't decreased. Is that a... No, that heart? hasn't decreased, but that, isn't, that is um, as a response to exercise, and we have to put in that you may have been a bit apprehensive <laughs> coming in. The heart rate varies, but the, the heart rate that you get in response to exercises when it plateaus out, and that is approximately 85% of your maximum heart rate. The big difference was in the amount of fat that you had when we measured it using skin fold calipers. Um, your biceps went down from 3.5 to 3. Your triceps, that's at the back of your arm, went from 15 to 14. And the back of your shoulder went from 12 to 11. But the big difference was when we measured it just over your hip bone and on your abdomen. And these were both 20 and 22 on the first occasion. And they went down to 15 and 14 respectively, which is, you know, quite a change. Even though you weren't, um, you'd only lost a little weight, most of the weight that you lost was fat, right? You would obviously built up some muscle in the meantime. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the weight. Uh, it's only a two-pound loss. One would have expected that it would be much greater than that. Well, you see, you were, you've been training, you've been using muscles, and you've been building up muscles. And this is one of the important things, that you can't go by weight alone. You've got to uh, correlate it with the level of skin fold. Because some people lose weight, but they lose it uh, without putting on muscle. And a lot of people get very upset when they're in the early part of the season when they're training. Um, they expect to lose weight then because they're eating less, they're doing a lot more work. But if you're actually building up muscle, you're building up more protein in the muscle and you actually put on weight at that stage. When I came into you in January, I'd never run more than five miles at any stage. Um, since then, in the, in the two months that have intervened, I've run uh, 13 miles. Is that, those figures there, is that the kind of, of level you would expect? It is, yes. Um, there's a slight increase. Um, the, on the first, this first occasion, your max VO2 went up by 10. But when you're at a very low level, you tend to go up fairly quickly. If somebody is in training and training at that level, they tend to stay at that figure. So that the, um, the, the less fit you are, the greater the improvement in the first few weeks, first six weeks of training. And in the next couple of months, the improvement will not be anywhere near as dramatic? No. No, not if you keep on, unless you increase the intensity of the training a lot. It's not going to. It'll go up gradually. But you won't get that dramatic improvement. I've gone through all the events in running since I started, from the sprints right up to the marathon, and none have attracted me like the marathon. But they attract me. the marathon attracts me from a competitive point of view, in that it's an event in which you can peak in only perhaps once or twice a year. And it's like putting all your eggs in one basket. So the preparation for it is vital. And I just like getting it right on the day and knowing that I have put months of preparation into getting it right on the day. And then when it does come good on the day, the satisfaction is complete. You actually enjoy all the training and the running. I love it. But, I mean, you said yourself putting all your eggs in the one basket. Uh, that sounds like, um, well, it would be fairly soul-destroying if, having put your eggs into one basket on the day, you don't perform. Isn't that a risky sport in that sense? It is. It's a, it's a gambler's sport in that sense, from the point of view of the fellow who is raising it. I would emphasise more than the fellow who is running to complete it. Uh, uh, the other athletes, say 1,500 metre runners, milers, 
they they have a chance to if they have a bad run one day they can go out and eradicate it two or three days later whereas the the marathon man doesn't but that is what i'm trying to say that is what i enjoy this challenge of getting it right on one day it's the uh, 18th of september and i'm about 16 miles into my first 20 mile run I'm uh, hoping if I finish this one to do another one in about a fortnight Uh, there's only a month or so left and at the moment that's about the most encouraging thing I can think of Uh, I think the last Eight months or so has taken a fairly heavy mental toll and it's been getting quite difficult to uh, summon up the interest and energy to uh, get out for the longer distances like this one that are uh, essential as one gets closer to the race itself physically uh, I'm in fair shape um, although that will be uh, put to the test tomorrow in the College of Surgeons I've been getting twinges uh, when running around the knee I suspect that's as a result of uh, the longer distances I've been covering Uh, I think looking back over the last eight months um, reaching 13 miles and doing my first half marathon after only about two months was uh, probably a little bit too much too soon Uh, a certain anticlimax set in after that it was a a case of where does one go from here and uh, in fact I began to regress a little and it was uh, about two months before I attempted the distance again Uh, I've uh, been covering some quite long distances the last couple of months I've built things up I'm averaging between 40 and sometimes up to 50 miles a week Uh, I'm going to keep that going for another three weeks or so and uh, then I'm going to tail off and uh, I can't begin to say how much I'm looking forward to that 
It's, uh, it's now September. The marathon is taking place next month. I've been training um, fairly strenuously, not over strenuously, in the interim. And uh, this morning we did a further series of the same tests, which I've done on two occasions before. Now, can you tell me what uh, different results, or what, how, the, how the results are varying from the previous two sets of tests? Well, it's obvious that you're still training, because this is reflected in the results that we have so far. You have lost another two pounds in weight, but this time your heart rate is very much slower. It's now down from 80 to 64. Your blood pressure is um, down, the, the lower fraction is down, um, and again, you've lost... Uh, a lot more of your the fat in your skin form measurements, which is an indication that uh, you are still maintaining your um, fitness level. That the amount of food you are obviously eating a bit more food now, aren't you? Yeah. That despite their increase in your calorie content, you are not putting on the weight. Uh, you are losing the excess fat that you were carrying before. Mind you, it wasn't that much before, but it's still down. Uh, when we compare the, um, the two major ones, um, if we compare the difference between the first visit and the third visit, the, on the back of your arm, this has gone down from 15 to 8.5, and uh, on the abdomen, it's gone from 20 to 13, uh, sorry, 20 to 10, and from 22 to 13, so that's a pre this is in millimetres, remember, but it may, does show that you have reduced quite a bit. Could you um, take me through a marathon, and not from your own point of view, from the point of view of, of, uh, of someone like me who is just aiming to finish the marathon, who's running their first or maybe their second marathon, uh, the various stages and the physical effects that the running of the marathon has on your body as you progress from start to finish? Well, you start out fresh, obviously, and you end up shattered. So you have to uh, postpone this shattered feeling for as long as you can which is the objective of the race. You are going to come apart over the last few miles, but that is what you've trained for and that is what you know will happen. Uh, my advice to people is to run the early miles and take their mind off the event totally whilst they are fresh and take in the scenery and the crowds and just take their mind off the mileage aspect and how many they've done and how many they have left. And if you, as, if you can go for as far as you can with that, state of mind because when you get to halfway or 15 anyway you are going to start feeling very tired so your mind will immediately start switching to this thing now well, I have to finish now I'm in trouble and uh, so the the idea over the first half is to postpone fatigue now in, during this period you should be drinking also to postpone dehydration because there's no point in waiting until you are dehydrated to drink because if you do you're in trouble and uh, so the first half of the race, let's say, is spent looking after yourself. And then the second half of the race is the hurting starts. And yet your mind immediately transfers to the idea of finishing. So you have to... This is where the confidence that you have gained from maybe the long runs you have done prior to this will come into effect. And you, you're going to get all sorts of negative thoughts around 15 miles. And... It's up to you on how determined you are to postpone them to get rid of these. I, I have to emphasise that you have to get... It is 
very good to get to 15 not feeling too tired. If you go off too fast, there's no point in gambling early. Because, uh, see, you can make mistakes in, in shorter races, but anything over 20 miles, you can't make mistakes in them. You, if you make mistakes early on, you just won't be able to finish. back there it's because right now my companion on my right Brenda McCauley and myself are heading up the Furry Glen in the Phoenix Park have you got the time there? one hour, two minutes one hour and two minutes it took us about three minutes to get to the start uh, I haven't been running for about two days and uh withdrawal symptoms are starting to set in, so this is a major fix anyway. Uh, we've been taking it very easy. Uh, that was unavoidable. It was impossible to do the first couple of miles uh, much under about 18 minutes. There's just so many people. Uh, we've been taking on water twice so far because the big danger at this stage is uh, dehydration that will come into play later on so the important thing is to take on quite a bit of water now it's uh, good fun so far am I right? yeah so far <laughs> after one hour we'll see what we're like in Clontarf but uh, the crowd are terrific some of the cracks between the crowd and the runners Keep you going anyway. Keep your spirit up. Uh, uh, the uh, Ferdy Glen is the first serious hill on the way. Uh, we hit it after about six and a half miles. It's about a mile, mile and a half long, and we're just coming to the top of it now. Much to, uh, I think, both our relief. Uh, the next major hill is uh, coming up to Finglas, that's about two miles long. And uh, that will be, I think, the next time I'll be telling you what I feel like. Uh, 
13.1, a halfway mark, and uh, the carnival is over. It's not very much fun. My uh, companion is somewhere behind me, a little bit on the dizzy side. Uh, the uh, hill up from Finglas, or to Finglas, was uh, no fun at all. It was just uphill all the way. Uh, time so far about two hours. And uh, even though we're at the halfway stage, I wouldn't be optimistic about doubling that for a full distance. Uh, possibly you can hear the paper cups underfoot. We just passed another drink station. Uh, it's not a terribly wet day, but when you're going past the watering stations, you wouldn't realize that. Uh, I'm holding out fairly well. I do actually feel at this stage as if I've done about 16 miles. But uh, uh, we'll see what I'm like at uh, 21 miles. That's as far as I've ever gone before. So it'll be interesting experiment. At this stage, I'm walking. I haven't given up. 21 miles gone. And uh, I started walking at about 17 or 18 miles. I've, I'm very, very dehydrated. I've been stopping, or I had been stopping at every watering station along the way. I'm taking a good drink. And uh, one thing that keeps me going at the moment is the thought of quite a few long, cool pints at the end of this. If I can describe my feelings, um, my back is extremely sore. My thighs and calves are absolutely aching, on top of which my left knee, I have a pain which is a muscular pain of some kind, which means that even when I do run, I'm running very, very slowly. Um, I'm trying to run for five minutes, walk for five minutes, and uh, I'm about three hours, 27 minutes into my race. I believe Neil Cusack won. Congratulations to him. I hope he's enjoying his bath. I'm looking forward to mine, and that probably won't be for at least another hour. In case you're wondering, 
about my companion, Brandon. I feel I lost him around fingers somewhere. I hope he succeeds in finishing. Uh, whoever said the last six miles is the worst is dead right. Except I don't think it's a particularly stunning inside. Uh, and now, coming around the corner, Pembroke Street, into Leeson Street, where we started off almost four and a half hours ago now. We're in Leeson Street. You can hear the crowd, and uh, I have been walking rather a lot. The last mile and a half, the crowd has been just so incredible that you couldn't walk. Uh, I am uh, looking at my own watch. I'm about four hours, 26 minutes. And uh, I can't as yet see the digital display stop the finish line in Stevens Green. We're just coming up to within about 100 yards of the traffic lights in Stevens Green. Only about two, 300 yards to go. Oh, this is absolute madness. It's crazy. Hundred yards to go. Four minutes. Twenty-seven. Forty. Forty-one. Forty-two. Forty-five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Fifty-two. Three. Four. 428. 428. 430. Sorry, 428. 11. Finished. Oh. Madness. Absolute madness. As one who has completed marathons, I can assure anyone who is worrying about their psychiatric state of health that the satisfaction when you complete a marathon is like nothing else that I've experienced anyway, the sheer, the sheer satisfaction of pouring out all this mental and physical effort in one performance on a day and just coming across the line and stopping. There's nothing more enjoyable than just stopping once you've crossed that line. Sticking up your hands or whatever else is nothing compared to just stopping, knowing that you've poured out all that effort. and you know. The event is so long and so demanding that you're guaranteed to have poured out all that effort anyway. But isn't it like hitting your head against a brick wall? It's wonderful when you stop rather than the actual taking 